This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That is code CHGO with PointsBet. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and baseball is back. Rumors are flying. The Cubs have made some moves, not necessarily the moves we are all waiting for, but at least we have some movement on this roster, so we will discuss those additions, and we will also look at some of the injury updates, which are unfortunate that we continue to have more of those, And we will also touch on some of the rumors that have begun circulating on this Mm -hmm. Tuesday evening. But Brendan, we're approaching the Cubs play an organized baseball game this week. So things are are happening rapidly here. They're happening rapidly. We're getting bullpens from Marcus Stroman. We're getting batting practice from all the guys. Nico Horner looks like he aged three years. Looks like he's in phenomenal shape feels good to be back. We have so much to talk about. This is the first episode that you and I have done in, what, three and a half months where we're actually going to talk about baseball and not the lockout. It feels good. It does feel good. And we also saw Marcus Stroman in pinstripes for the first time this afternoon out in Cubs camp. Ooh. He looks good in he does. Cubs pinstripes. He, he, he does look good. It suits him. Um but we will touch more on him. He's going to pitch this week, so we will be able to yes, get a is. look at him and, and kind of break that all down. I, I also would be remiss, Brendan, if I did not mention that you mm. were quote-tweeted by one Marcus Stroman himself, uh, an yeah, article that you wrote over at allchgo.com. Yeah, we're, we're, I, I think we're friends now. I think that's what happens. I was friends with you, Darvish. Now I'll be friends with uh, Marcus Stroman. But that was, it was pretty cool. He's very active on social media, and he engages with so many fans. It's good for the sport. Like The Cubs need more guys like him, and, and the entire sport needs more guys like Stroman. So that was fun to see. Yeah, so I do want to, we, we have a bunch to talk about here, and I, I want to kind of like jump right into the meat of all of this, rather than uh, spending too much time on Brendan's now budding friendship with Marcus Stroman. I know. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll touch on that maybe another day. Um, yeah. when, when you're when you're DMing him like you were with you Darvish, then we'll we'll know that things have elevated well, to the next is, level. This is just a this is just a first date, uh-huh. you know. We'll we'll, we'll work our way. Right. Up. Okay. <laughs> Ignoring that. Uh, moving on, I, I do want to start with some of the injury updates uh, just to get this out of the way. Um, the first is that of Adbert Alzali, who is going to be out, unfortunately, for what looks like, uh, you know, maybe up to two months. And this is a disappointing one, Brendan. It, it kind of, it is obviously not the same as the Cody Hoyer injury because Cody Hoyer is out the whole year. He's already had surgery. You know, that is uh, much more significant. But this is certainly a derailing of Adbear's uh, progress. And, you know, we, yeah. we've talked so much about this rotation and those top three guys, Stroman being a, a, a different breed, but, you know, not guys that have a lot of velocity, 
guys that are going to get the opposing offenses to beat the ball into the ground. And you were hoping if there's no other additions to this rotation that Adbert would have been able to take maybe that next step and, you know, flip the way that we felt about this rotation on its head. And that's not to say that he can't do that when he comes back, but now you're rehabbing from an injury. You have to work back from that. And instead of just continuing to try to build on some of the stuff that he did last year. He made strides, significant strides last year too, that seemed to be progressing to a point where he could have been maybe you know, a top three pitcher in this rotation. And to your point, yeah, he can still get there. But the timetable for return with shoulder injuries, they're hit or miss. They give me a lot of anxiety. And for Alzali, I was maybe the most interested in him of any of the other pitchers just because his pitch development trajectory was so rapid. Like he was throwing by the end of the year last season, six different pitches. You know, he developed that sinker uh, in late 2020 during the COVID season, that slider took off, and those became his two predominant pitches. But those two pitches, as we know, as we talked about, they got slammed against lefties last year. So as a result, he started developing a cutter. He started throwing more change-ups to those, two, uh, to those lefties. And so I was intrigued about what would come next. How would he go about facing those lefties? And with Tommy Hadovy in the pitch lab and another year underneath his belt, to me, it just signals so much potential. And it's still there. But we don't, there's a huge degree of uncertainty at this point. Will he come back out of the bullpen? Will he come back into the rotation? He did finish last season after coming back from a hamstring injury in, in the bullpen. And so of his 29 appearances, 21 were starts and the rest were out of the bullpen. So it sucks. I still think the Cubs rotation, despite losing Alzali, there can be a few changes and maybe a few acquisitions that will still stabilize it. So it's not it's not killing the rotation, but it's killing me personally just because I wanted to see his progression, not just for this season, but also for, for future seasons as well and the relevance it has for those. Yeah, and you know, it's just one of those things where he came back in the in the latter portion of last year, you know, pitching out of the pen and had begun to kind of work on some of those issues that were plaguing him, the the stuff to left-handers, the home runs mm-hmm. allowed and things like that. And so now you are kind of, you were hoping that in the spring and that to start this season, he'd be able to continue that and make progress in those areas. Now he still has to do that, but coming back from an injury and a, the, the, he, the same injury he said that he sustained in 2018, which is the, the strained good. right lat, which is not yeah. good. Yes. Um, yeah. And so the the issue for me, and I, I want to make it clear, like none of these situations are the same. They're different players, things like that. But it does, at least for me, Brendan, kind of remind me of Braylon Marquez, uh, Miguel Amaya, and, and just the sort of, let's say, like stunted progress, right? And you sort of watch these guys develop and make strides and make a name for themselves that are climbing up prospect lists, and then there's a setback, and then they have to work back, and then there's another setback. And I don't mean that in a way that, like, you can't rely on Alzali or anything like that. These things happen, and it's it's out of his control. It, it's just one of those things where you're, you're 
hoping that a guy can take that next step and and turn the corner and it's obviously very difficult to hope that and and for that to be as as easy when yeah. things like this happen and and again they're they're not apples to apples they're not the same person it's not the same injuries things like that but i guess what i'm getting at it just really stinks when you know a guy is is sort of starting to make those strides looking like the hype is is living up to what you're seeing and then they face a setback like this because you just right. you can't really um watch them you know hit their ceiling because it, this is you know just another hurdle to work through if that makes sense it makes sense and if you're a jed hoyer and you're trying to have some certainty on your roster unfortunately you you have to put alzali's situation in that bucket of uncertainty and make moves as if you can't rely on him at this point in time maybe the context changes when he comes back around the trade deadline but currently in this moment of time for 2021 I, I feel as if this front office has to operate as if you're not going to get significant innings from Alzelay. so what does that look like not just from Alzelay's development perspective but for the Cubs overall overall perspective do they have to now use some of that payroll flexibility that there's so much of to shore up that rotation is that going to have an effect on which position players they can go out and sign? And also, does this affect the long-term outlook for Alzali? Does this make the front office consider longer-term solutions? That th- These mm-hmm. are unfortunately valid questions, and it's separate from us, from me, still being optimistic about Alzali. I think he comes back from this injury. The stuff is there. The only thing that's going to give us pause is his health and stamina. But if he can prove in this season that it is beyond him, then I think my outlook is going to be no different than what it's been like for the past six months. Yeah, th- that's going to be the thing. And and we know from watching him and, and just hearing from him, he's a you know an extremely positive guy. He's an extremely hard worker. We know he's going to do his best to come back from this uh, better and, and, and stronger. But it, I, I brought up the, the Cody Hoyer thing when we started because it, it just reminds me in the sense that, and again, Cody's out the whole year, so he's not going to have a chance to sort of prove this this year. But you're just hoping, you're coming into this season hoping, I think, those two guys, maybe more than anybody else on this pitching staff, would sort of establish themselves and set themselves up for their roles and where they were going to fit in as this whole franchise moves forward here so that like come 2023 those two would have set themselves up and you'd be expecting big roles from them going forward and again Alzali can still do that and he very well may Cody cannot but it it is just a bummer because I think when you were looking at coming into this season those guys would have been the two you were looking at I want to read before we move on uh, a quote from Marcus Stroman on Adbert Alzali, uh, and I think this also just sort of goes to how Stroman thinks about things and the type of teammate that he is. Uh, and he said, quote, he's someone who he might have better energy than me. He's so positive, man. He's contagious, and I love that. It's extremely tough, man. He's someone who I feel like he was going to turn that corner and become a guy, 
guy this year. You know what I mean? Be someone who's going to be a perennial guy to go out there, 180 innings, give you three to four wins above replacement. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's only a setback. Obviously he knows I'm in his corner. We talked and I'm pretty sure he'll be able to get through it. Hopefully he'll come back stronger from it. So one, love the attitude. I think that sort of sums up both your and I thoughts on it um, Mm -hmm. generally, but I I do have to throw it to you. You already loved Marcus Stroman. We joke that you guys are friends now, but he used war in a, in a quote, Brendan, unprompted. Like, are you, are you not in love or what? I mean, I'm trying to control my emotions a little bit, but absolutely, the energy, his entire like dynamic on the mound, the attitude, the way he talks about his players and teammates, and now he's using war in quotes, like accurately two, three to four, absolutely right. How can you not love Marcus Stroman, Corey? Yes. Okay. So want to quickly move to the other injury news of the day. This one, hopefully not as significant, but Hap uh, had a cleanup procedure on his elbow. Ian Hap. I don't know why I just didn't use his first name. Although I guess you guys know who I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, he should be ready for opening day. At least that's the hope. Uh, the, the plan now is you know, that he's not going to need to start the season on the IL, but if he did, it would hopefully only be short. So, you know, I, I don't know that there's too much to offer up on that. Obviously, if, if he can be ready for opening day, that's great. What I did want to ask you, though, Brendan, is like just your general thoughts on how this may affect his standing in the outfield and maybe the outfield as a whole. We, we've talked a lot about how this outfield basically has no one that you view as an everyday starter, right? Hap would probably be the guy if you were picking somebody. And he had such a tale of two seasons last year where his his first half was abysmal. And after the trade deadline, he was one of the hotter hitters in the National League. But, you know, now also coming back from an injury, nothing major, but you're not going to be able to see him and kind of get a look at him and all that stuff here in in spring training. Does that change your kind of outlook? Are you are you hoping that the Cubs are looking at outfielders anyway? We we have uh, at least one of those rumors to touch on later in the podcast. But mm-hmm. just uh, what do you what do you feel about this? Cuz I know you and I were kind of unsure of what to make of Ian Happ anyway and you know, right. even though this isn't major, it's not specifically helpful. I don't think it changes the outlook that much. Of course, you don't want to hear Hap saying, you know, he went through a procedure a few weeks ago, but I don't think it changes what this front office does. There's a degree of certainty he'll be back by opening day, and if not, you know, relatively soon. The picture for the outfield is still crowded regardless if if Hap is involved. I mean, naming the guys off the list right now, you have Hayward in right field, you have Harold Ramirez, whom they got from Cleveland, during the offseason, you have Michael Hermosillo, who's back with the Cubs on a major league deal. And then you have Ortega in center field. You have Clint Frazier, whom I, I always forget we have Clint Frazier, but former top prospect, power bat. There's, there's a lot of options here. So I guess in the case of Hap can't come back right away, may, maybe there is some immediate competition in one of these guys who I just listed off has a good start to the year. Maybe that does negatively impact Hap, but despite all of the, all of this and all those names, everyone I listed off, there's volatility involved. And in my mind, 
they, they still need to shore up the outfield, both defensively and offensively, almost at, at every position, in the corner spots and in center field. So to your question, I don't think it changes the outlook. And maybe in a rare instance or scenario, Hap does lose playing time, but only if that injury extends beyond opening today. And only if, for example, Hermosillo or Clint Frazier go off right away, which those are a lot of what ifs. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think, you know, if, if anything, it's it's probably just, you know, obviously disappointing for Ian Happ, who was hoping, I think, to continue the success that he was having in the later portion of the season, kind of prove that that early portion of the season was not who he is and is going to be. And yeah, it's, you know, now it's just a question of can he get back by opening day and is there any, you know, wear and tear from this injury? I know I already saw video of him, you know, throwing and doing some long toss. So it, it's clearly not something that is, um, you know, a major injury, but you just never know how this stuff affects guys. And, um, you know, I remember like Hap was was on that hot streak, um in 2020 and then he like you know fouled that ball uh off just under his eye right and his numbers kind of lined up that they went down immediately after that and so you just never know how these little injury type things if they linger and how they're going to affect a guy and and his performance um so and he hasn't seen live pitching in you know what is it six months now five months so can he start off well because he hasn't seen live pitching that's a good point as well yeah so you know obviously when you have a ramped up spring training and and you know this type of off-season process that we're getting in this unique season here post lockout these injuries coming out and the sort of like rapid nature of them is not the best in terms of, you know, being uh, less than a month away from opening day here at Wrigley Field. So that is uh, the state of the outfield as it stands right now and some of those uh, injury updates for you. Before we go on here, two brief messages from our sponsors. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code C. CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. And now, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Plus, during PointsBet Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bets. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because in the morning... 
I, I don't want to sit down and eat. I want to get going fast. I work out in the morning. I want some energy. I want new, I want nutrients. I don't want to have some type of like cheap sugary bowl of cereal. So I use AG1. What is this? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, everything. In the morning before I start my day, I put one scoop in with some water, quickly mix it around. It tastes phenomenal, very easy to drink. I even bring it when I travel. I've recommended it to my dad. My dad needs to improve his nutrition. This is a simple, easy solution if you want fast good tasting nutrition to upstart your day. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this is for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And it costs you less than $3 a day. That's cheaper than most breakfasts. You go to McDonald's, you go to different restaurants, you're gonna spend more money. This is way cheaper than that. Athletic Greens even has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in one cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, so injury news out of the way. Um, want to get to a couple of additions that the Cubs have made in the last few days. They have reunited with relief pitcher Jesse Chavez. You may remember Jesse from his time with the 2018 Chicago Cubs. He was very good for the Cubs in that particular year. He is most recently coming to us from the Atlanta Braves, where he posted a 2.14 ERA and a 2.01 FIP over the course of 33 and two-thirds innings. And the Cubs also in agreement with someone else that was on the Atlanta Braves, uh, and that is Chris Martin. You will be hearing plenty of references to the fact that he shares the name as the lead singer from Coldplay, uh, but that will likely be the last time I ever mention that band on this podcast. Chris Martin in 2021 for the Atlanta Braves, 43 and a third innings pitched, a 3.95 ERA and a 3.47 FIP, but he was very good for the Braves across four and a third innings, five games uh, for the Braves in the playoffs, a 2.08 ERA in those outings and route, of course, to helping the Braves win the World Series. So, uh, you know, look, the at least to me, Brendan, these are not, um, you know, elite 
bullpen arms or, or anything like that, but we wanted veteran presence, which you're certainly getting in these two guys, uh, winning backgrounds, you're certainly getting from these two guys, and stability, which I think you're getting from these two guys. And, you know, you're not breaking the bank, you're not signing anybody to huge, you know, multi-year long-term deals. I think this, you know, fits exactly with what the Cubs are trying to do, certainly helps in the wake of the Cody Hoyer news. And I think these are solid signings. They're, they are solid signings. For Chris Martin, you're going to get stability. You're going to get command. He had a walk per nine rate last year of under 1.3 guys. That, that's, that's amazing. That's in the top percentile of the league. He throws hard. He throws in mid-90s, can reach upwards to 97. He has good secondary pitches. His way about pitching to guys, I think, does have room for optimization. And that's where I'm kind of dialing in on what they can do with Chris Martin. So, for example, his fastball doesn't really have much carry. So, it's thrown still at 95 miles per hour. But unlike Rowan Wick, for example, Chris Martin's fastball has more tailing action on it. Rowan Wick is right over the top. That ball spins at a 12 o'clock axis, but for Chris Martin, that ball, that fastball, is spinning around two o'clock. So it's gonna be it's gonna be spinning more like like a two-seamer, which he also does throw. So he does throw a sinker, but it's not his primary fastball. He throws a sinker about 15% of the time. His four seam makes up almost half of his pitch repertoire. So I'm thinking, okay, if this guy has a sinker that he still throws quite a bit, and the sinker is throwing pretty fast around 95. Maybe Tommy Hadovy and this pitching infrastructure, they've done this before. Maybe they start shifting around those two fastball types and maybe the sinker becomes the dominant pitch. Also, Martin throws a cutter, throws a slider, but his slider is not his dominant breaking pitch either. It's the cutter. And so the cutter, the cutter is good. It, it was effective. But when, when we look at that slider, it has almost 12 miles per hour of separation from his fastball. And you can kind of see how this might play into effect. For Alzali, he throws a sinker and he throws a slider. For Martin, he throws a four-seamer and a cutter predominantly. I would not be surprised if they start tweaking things around to optimize his entire sequencing and his pitch types, all hopefully while not sacrificing some command. But he, right now, even if he doesn't do that, even if he throws the way as he threw with the Braves, you're looking at a fifth, sixth inning guy, maybe depending on the circumstances and the matchups and the defensive alignment, maybe even seventh inning, he's stable. For Jesse Chavez, it's kind of the same type of situation. You're going to have that stability. You had FIPS and ERAs around three flat last year. He is older. There is familiarity with Jesse Chavez and Tommy Hadovy and the rest of the staff. So I, I like that. You may want someone who gets more whiffs than these two guys, and they may end up going out into, free, into the free Asian market and doing that. But right now, this bullpen needs depth, especially with Cody Hoyer out. And they picked up two guys especially with Chris Martin being a little bit younger, a little bit more projectable. You picked up two guys that instantly add depth, and at the very least, 
there's a high degree of certainty they're not going to give up hard contact. And if the Cubs do continue to add to this positional core, as they did with Andrelton Simmons defensively, maybe their value becomes even more. Yeah, I, I, I do just have to say it's funny when you say that uh, Chris Martin is a little younger, and it's like, well, yeah, relatively, he's 35 to Jesse Chavez is but, 38. I mean, <laughs> listen, when you get around these projections, it does matter, yeah. Corey. Um, yeah, I, I think these are solid signings. Again, like neither of these are moving you to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, this bullpen is elite, but they are... It, they are the type of signing that we were asking this bullpen, you know, in this front office to make for this bullpen. And as we've noted before, I, of all the areas with this franchise, I just sort of trust them to handle. It's putting a bullpen together. It, they, they may not end up with the best bullpen in the league, but they have earned the benefit of the doubt in at least this area of knowing what they're doing. They have a way of identifying guys, whether they are guys who performed well in the previous year or guys that are, you know, more of a reclamation type project. They have proven that they can identify those guys. They're not all going to hit. It's not all going to work out. But Hadavi, Breslow, the front office have proven that they can put a bullpen together that can be productive enough. And I I would hope that maybe there's another addition or two to kind of really round this out. But with some veteran stability, some of the guys we're we're more familiar with, and then hopefully some of those young guys maybe stepping up and and making a name for themselves, carving out a role for themselves, you can, again, end up with what what ends up being a productive and useful bullpen. Generally, like with this franchise, I, I go into these seasons and we don't know where the Cubs are going to be relative to like competitiveness, right? They're they're still working on that or maybe working on that. I, I normally just find myself in a place where I'm not concerned that the bullpen is going to be the reason that they don't, you know, make the playoffs or win the division, right? At this point, they have a lot of other issues to address before we're having that conversation. But I just generally don't count the bullpen as one of those kind of worrisome areas because they, I, I think they've earned the benefit of believing that they know what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can look back with Ryan Tapera's situation last year. It's a good, it's a good point. It's a good contrast to how we're talking about Chris Martin or Jesse Chavez or a different pitcher they end up signing. But for Ryan Tapera, he came over with the Cubs and, and throwing mostly sinkers. So we talk a lot about sinkers, but in comparison to other guys, how did he nudged Tapera away from his sinker towards his four-seamer? And that's when he really picked things up. And the reason likely that they did this was one, Tapera's four-seamer had some unexpected movement. So it's thrown a little bit uniquely with his release point, but it's thrown with some seam orientation that's actually causing this unexpected rising action. It doesn't have much carry at all, but compared to how he lets go of the ball out of his hand, is expected to move a little bit more as a tailing fastball. But for some reason, based on this type of uh, seam shifted wake, it actually rises a little bit more than what you would expect. And likely, I'm thinking, because of those features, 
he changed things up with the Cubs. He, he changed his entire repertoire up and he had that success. So that's where we can look into your point, Corey, of, of trusting this pitching development in Tommy Hadovy to develop a bullpen. Well, they've done it and they've done it with guys by changing their sequencing and, and what they throw without sacrificing their underlying core features like command and generating whiffs with your secondary pitches. And you can use those instances and examples from the past, assume and apply that over to these new guys. And I think with a good degree of confidence, expect that things will be okay. It looks kind of uncertain on paper right now, but just given what we've seen recently in the last two years, I think you have to change your mind and expect that things will be okay. Yeah. I think that is uh, a fair analysis of all things bullpen. So I, I think our last segment here will be on on some of these rumors. We're going to take a look at uh, the uh, at Seiya Suzuki, who uh, may be coming over. Reportedly met with the Cubs on Monday evening. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to touch on one thing we did get from camp today uh, from our guy Ryan Herrera, who is out there in Mesa for CHGO. Uh, David Ross, after the Alzali news, did say that as of this moment, uh, Alec Mills would be the fourth starter and that he had earned a shot to start in this rotation. So we've talked about Mills before. I know we've talked about the rotation a good bit, especially as it relates to some of the internal options. But I'm just curious if you had any initial reactions to that, Brendan. Uh, my, My first reaction, we've talked about Mills you know, having potentially earned a spot or earned a look, things like that before, uh, where I'm, uh, what I'm wondering is this is just a, a lot of guys that throw slow and it's going to be a lot of contact and you, you still, you know, you went out and got Anderton Simmons, but if Anderton Simmons is starting every day, we've got bigger problems because uh, he cannot hit for anything. So at least without digging into everything, I'm wondering how that works out, right? And I always go back to that quote from Jed before the lockout where he mentioned needing velocity, having a lot of guys in the rotation with a similar profile, and this is not a deviation from that. So I'm wondering if you have uh, sort of a, a spin zone on that for me. Well, are you concerned, Corey? Like you sound a little bit Maybe concern is not the right word, but a little flabbergasted. So here, here's, here's the thing where it stands. If we're looking at these four guys in the rotation right now, I'm assuming that Justin Steele nabs that fifth spot, but we'll see, right? Yeah. We'll get to that another day. Kyle Hendricks is really good. You all know how I feel about Kyle Hendricks. He's going to rebound from his season last year, which is clearly the outlier in his body of work for his MLB career. Wade Miley was really good last year. Marcus Stroman is that dude, right? And I think just going to continue to get better as as you've written about and talked about. Alec Mills, I think is is fine for a back-end rotation guy, you know, was kind of a guy that kind of seemed to get like a little worn out. His usage was all over the place. He went into the year not really being sure of his role, which I'm sure isn't easy, et cetera, et cetera. But as we've talked about, like the game is just not in a place where you load up a rotation with a bunch of guys that throw, you know, 88 to 92-ish miles an hour. And I'm just, so at least the top three are good pitchers and I expect them to be good. 
But mm-hmm. this is a you know you you talk and write a lot about how the Cubs like to sort of deviate from the rest of the league and where they're throwing sinkers, for example, right? This is another one of those like, do the Cubs know something that everybody else doesn't, um, or is this just kind of how things have ended up? My concern on velocity in a hundred and sixty-two game year, I I don't have much concern because each individual game is independent from the other games. Now, if you go into a shortened sample, like a postseason series, that's five games or seven games, yeah, you want to limit as much contact as possible because that's when you get the bloop-based hits. That's where you get a lot of randomness. And the best way to prevent that type of randomness is, is to miss bats. And what misses bats? Velocity. But when we're talking about these slots in the rotation over the course of a season being used 30 to 33 times by these quote-unquote slow ballers, I I don't see how that's necessarily the worst thing. If they're going to be throwing up ERAs under three and a half, FIPS under three and a half, then the way they go about doing that, I, like, I don't really care. Now, if we use that rotation in a playoff series, then yeah, that's going to cause some concern. But given how other teams have used rotations in playoff series, we can look back at this now in the last three postseasons with, you know, the Braves last year, the Nationals two years ago. There, there's these unorthodox ways of using your pitchers, and I don't think the way the Cubs design their rotation for a regular season, if they are lucky enough at this point or fortunate enough to go into the postseason. It's likely going to be a very, very different outlook that's dependent on the matchup and likely going to have some type of velocity thrown into it. But when we're talking about Hendricks, Stroman, Miley, Mills, yeah, like, yeah, they're going to be throwing 90 miles per hour, but they all limit hard contact and their starts are going to be independent from each other. And maybe there's a weird way you're, 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 you're never going to be able to know this for sure, but maybe because they are throwing all of these slower fastball guys, maybe playing these teams on consecutive days ends up being an advantage. And it could be a disadvantage as well. But you have very similar pitchers and that they throw slow and maybe there's more iterations and more examples and opportunities to become better because you're working with similar pitchers with similar stuff and maybe they can work together to become even more valuable so to your question Corey, no i'm not concerned whatsoever i i i understand the sentiment but i in my mind these are individual games these are individual games over the course of a six-month season if this is how you win baseball games if you're going to do it throwing 98 that's great if you're going to do it throwing 88 that's the same thing for me. So I don't really care too much how they do it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, it also, as we've talked about, does present the opportunity for some of those piggyback situations. You know, again, like if, if Justin Steele is not getting those starts on his own, does he piggyback with one of these guys and come out and bring a little more heat, a different look, you know, immediately following, say, four or five innings from Malik Mills, something like that? Is Braylon Marquez able to stay healthy and and get, uh, you know, his command issues under control to be able to be used as a weapon like that? We, you know, have talked about how the game is kind of heading to that a little bit. Um, But basically, you're 
saying that over the course of a regular season, the similar profiles is not a concern as much as it would be in a playoff series where a particular team and their scouting department are dialed into you only. Yeah. Well, there's more randomness in a playoff series. When you look at a five-game set, three blue pits can cost you a game, you know? Three blue pits during the season, it's likely not going to be as significant. So because of that, yes, I don't think it's a concern. The scouting and all that stuff, you can be dialed into those slower pitchers, but it's just the the fact that in that small series, you will be giving up more contact and you are introducing a realm of randomness that that for me I'm not comfortable with. I just I, I would be shocked if they ever get to the playoffs that they would use a situation like that. One last message from our sponsor, Points Bet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the Points Bet app and use CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, and you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it again, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, so last on the docket is some rumors. My usual caveat here that it is 840 central time in Chicago as we record this. So per usual, whenever you are listening to this, keep an eye on the most up-to-date news uh, because this stuff happens rapidly. And it was actually funny. Last week I was in the studio with Ryan, Cody, and Luke on the CHGO Cubs podcast, and I had mentioned Anderlton Simmons if the Cubs wanted to just add the glove. And I think we were off the air for 10 minutes, and they signed Anderlton Simmons. Uh, I, I want to be clear, not something I was particularly interested in, but I just knew it was a possibility. Uh, I do appreciate when the Cubs and baseball make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but Sometimes. alas. Anyway, the point is I expect something to happen the minute Brendan and I finish this recording. So um, There's rumors floating around about the Cubs being back in contact with Anthony Rizzo, uh, Kyle Schwarber as well. So those are sort of just popping up again today. I'm not sure if there's any substance to them, but you kind of figured maybe they would check in with those guys just to see what's up. The market has been relatively slow in terms of uh, hitters. I think everybody's kind of waiting for Freddie Freeman to make a decision that's obviously going to impact the first base market. Um, with the Braves moving on there. So uh, who knows with these rumors? But the the one that I really want to dig into a little bit more is Seiya Suzuki uh, coming over from Japan. Apparently the Cubs met with him on Monday night, and the rumor going around is that Tom Ricketts himself was involved in the pitch to Suzuki. So 
clearly something the Cubs are interested in. Of course, as well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Cubs continue to be connected to Carlos Correa, but the sort of vibe has shifted to maybe he's returning to Houston. A lot of talk there, a lot of smoke there that Houston is sort of ramping up the effort to bring him back. Is that just to appease fans? We will know hopefully soon enough, right? Uh, I think the Cubs are involved, but if they get beat out, especially by a team he's more familiar with, I think they're going to lose if they are drawing a hard line on what they're willing to offer. My two cents on the issue. Uh, but because there was was a meeting and apparently the Cubs are, are interested in Suzuki, just wanted to give an idea of the type of player that he may be. Now, when a guy comes over from the NPB, Um, you know, similar to when you call a prospect up, right? Like you can never guarantee how they're going to develop. You can never sort of translate directly a scouting report into what they're going to be able to do. Uh, But it, it, it pairs well, Brendan, with the Ian Happ news, at least that you're not really sure if he's going to be available on opening day and just our many conversations about who all deserves playing time in this outfield. I think this would be a, a, a very solid signing, even if you're not positive what he comes over and does in the major leagues. When you look at the projections, I'll throw it to you here, but just yeah. want to read, like if you are looking at fan graphs, uh, there's Zips projections, which are just projections, of course, but you know, there's been a, a good number of guys that have come over from the NPB and they're able to kind of uh, see how these numbers tend to translate, right? And they have him slotted for 2022 with a 287 batting average, a 351 on base percentage, and a 480 slugging percentage, uh, and that would be good for 2.6 wins above replacement, 23 home runs. Uh, and their little scouting report blurb here refers to him as a better than average, better than league average corner outfielder, but one who projects below all star levels without another step forward. But given the state of this Cubs outfield, Brendan, and the potential that he does hit that other level and and sort of develop into a star like he was in the NPB, it seems a very worthwhile exercise to explore this. Absolutely. He's he's got the age on his side too, 27 years old. And at least for his plate discipline in the NPB, pretty impressive. So in 2019, for example, his outside the zone swing rate was under 17%. The major league average is around 30%. So he has the power. He does make contact, but he also doesn't chase many bad pitches. And his contact rate, even in the NPB, was around 82%. In Major League Baseball, it's around 78%. So he kind of has that all-balanced plate approach that for many years the Cubs always stress, making contact, opportunistic contact, situational hitting. We did know that when we had Rizzo and and, and Ben Zobrist, those were two guys that were 
in a unique way, able to drive the ball without striking out much. And we have that even right now with Frank Schwindel, who doesn't strike out much, but also hits the ball extremely far. And we also know what the consequences are for hitters who do hit the ball far, but they do whiff and they do chase a little bit more. And that's in Patrick Wisdom, whose contact rate was almost 60%. So in the NPB, Suzuki was almost 82%. That's a massive increase from the guys in the league who, who whiff a lot. So in principle, I like it. The cost for him, you know, you hear some numbers, 70 million, 80 million, five years, who knows what it ends up being. But the fact that they're engaged with him, that you have the owner coming out and talking to him as a way to lure him into the system, that that's encouraging. And it also should signal that the Cubs are serious about spending money, both that affects their immediate uh, prognosis as well as their future. And so even if they don't get Suzuki, my confidence in that they will spend money is, is still pretty high. Maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm being optimistic, but there's just so much money that could be left over if they don't make these signings, you know, with the luxury tax being around 80, 100 million away, wherever it ends up being with their current situation, like they have so much money. So whether it's on Suzuki or someone else, I'd be floored if they don't spend here, Corey. Yeah, I, I just think this is worth taking a flyer on, especially if you're not looking to, um, you know, play in the the bigger portion of the free agent pool, and if you're concerned about, you know, giving up a qualifying offer, uh, you know, or, or the draft pick compensation for some of these guys, and some of the money would be the posting fee, obviously, so not necessarily uh, just tied to the annual average value. But, you know, it, you, you read, you have to rely on scouting reports here, right? Like, I'm not a scout. Brendan's not a scout. I'm not going to go break down film and, and give you guys a, a surefire opinion, right? But when you read people that you trust, I'm looking over at the write-up on Prospects Live that's put out a lot of good prospect content. Um, you know, they talk about uh, at the time that they were writing their write-up on him, I believe in October of this year, you know, he had a matching K percentage to his walk percentage, which is obviously something that the Cubs would be rather interested in. Uh, and then just looking at the mechanics of the swing, you know, their their article talks about uh, how efficient it is. It's short, you know, there's not a lot of wasted energy. Um, and, you know, kind of just looking at how quick to the ball he is in addition to that other stuff. And being able to say, like, those factors, when you put it all together and, and kind of watch him do his thing, should translate to being a, able to adjust uh, for success against major league pitching. So, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes into these decisions. You've got a guy that's that's moving from another country, uh, likely bringing his family, and, you know, it, 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 it may not be about the money. It may be about where he feels the most comfortable, uh, which team he feels he can get the best role with, where his family would feel the most comfortable. So these are questions that only he can answer. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, the Cubs clearly appear to be interested. I know that Suzuki spoke with you, Darvish. That was probably a sales pitch to come to the Padres, but if he's speaking with the Cubs, I would imagine that he asked you about the Cubs, you, not you as in Brendan. Um, and what Darvish might say, I have no idea. I would hope that he would say, well, you can link up with my good friend Brendan on Twitter, and he'll break down your advanced metrics for you. Uh, and I had a lot of people sending me power 
through, you know, for all of my starts during my time in Chicago, but I don't know. Who knows what you Darvish may have said. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think the where where it appears to be with some of this stuff, and I think Suzuki is is probably a, a similar tale. I, I think the Cubs are in on a lot of these conversations. I think as we've heard from Jed Brendan, they have a hard line on what they're willing to do, and as we've seen in the past, sometimes that's going to work in your favor and you're going to be able to get a guy on your terms, which is really great. Other times, if you're not willing to, you know, make the move to make the move, you're not going to get the guy. So at the moment, as we're recording this, again, almost nine o'clock central here in Chicago on Tuesday night, I would guess that that is what happened. The latter is what happens with Carlos Correa. I think the Cubs are serious. I think they've made offers, and I think they would sign on the dotted line today, but I don't think they're going to meet him at where he wants to be, and I think somebody else will, or at least someone who he's more comfortable with, is going to make a similar offer. As for Suzuki... At least just going with the reports that came out on Tuesday, it sounds like that might be a situation where the Cubs are more willing to make the best offer and try to get the guy. But again, as I said, a lot of factors there. The money may not win out there. So I I know that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, um, but there's a lot of players left on the board, and we will evaluate the offseason in its totality when it's over and we're looking at who is on this Cubs everyday roster. If Andrelton Simmons and Wade Miley and Chris Martin end up being the sort of big moves that these teams make in addition to Marcus Stroman, you know, we'll obviously have an opinion on that, but there's a ton of there is a ton of players that could really easily contribute to this team in 2022 that are still on the board that I, I I think we have to reserve judgment for now, even though it's starting to, you know, I can feel the pessimism creeping in on Cubs Twitter. Yeah, I feel it. I know you sure. feel it too, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore it when you see moves like the Braves getting Olsen and Freddie Freeman's in contact with higher market teams like the Dodgers and, and Yankees. And you're seeing all this and you kind of wish you heard a little bit more of the Cubs in action rather than a few tweets here and there. But this offseason kind of just began. And what was it? 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago, we had reports with Korea connected to the Cubs. And this is an unprecedented time where you have free agency being wrapped up with major guys, generational talents trying to find teams, and these teams trying to plug up holes all over their roster. So it's going to be a little bit unorthodox. Just because you're not hearing the Cubs connected to these guys doesn't mean they're not connected to these guys. And if they miss out on Korea... You know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to be happy about it, but my hope is that money that they would have otherwise spent on Correa is used to shore up their other gaps in, in, in on their roster. And again, when you look at the money they currently have right now and the commitments, they should be able to do that. I, I'm relatively confident they should be able to do that, but I'm, I have been proven wrong in a very negative direction, but I just don't see that happening. This time, they're connected to too many guys. They're talking 
with these guys, what appears to be in a serious fashion, they're they're going to be making some moves here. I have to remind myself to be a little bit more patient and remind myself that my expectations aren't aligning with reality because this type of offseason has never been done before. Yeah, and I, you know, again, like I, I, I don't blame anybody for being impatient here, and you know, sort of. I mean, I'm impatient. I want to see stuff. Yeah, going, right? I, I don't blame you if you're uh, expecting the Cubs to have been in the conversation, but ultimately didn't get it done, right? Like if you're just expecting that with all of these guys, I don't blame you. You know, these last several off seasons have been very weird. Some of them very rough, and and not what we were hoping for. But, you know, per usual, I just think it's, you have to judge it all in its final form, and we're not there yet. So there will be ranting aplenty if, you know, this team doesn't make some improvements, especially we didn't even get into, and we don't, you know, there's nothing to really add on it. But, you know, the Pirates are the Pirates, and the Reds traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. So, like, they're not trying to compete. <laughs> Thank God. So, the Brewers and the Cardinals, the Brewers brought in Andrew McCutcheon, but other than that, those two teams haven't done anything. Jack Flaherty might be dealing with an injury. So like the 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 opportunity is there uh, to be competitive in this division. And so if the Cubs punt on that opportunity, we'll talk about it, but there, the, there are still players that can help them achieve that goal. So let's wait uh, and see how this offseason plays out. So I think that is what we have for you. As we have mentioned in the past, you know, since our move to CHGO, you will continue to hear both Brendan and I uh, popping in with Luke, Ryan, and Cody on the daily show on your feed. And for the moment, Brendan and I will continue to go once a week here, just the two of us unless there is some sort of uh, emergency podcast-worthy news that we need to bring to y'all. And then, of course, once the season starts, you will hear us twice a week before and after every series, as has been the case for the last six years. As we sign off, want to remind you again uh, to become a CHGO member. Of course, as you have all seen now, CHGO is bringing you podcasts and live shows on every team every day. The Chicago Sky podcast just launched this week. It was a great listen, uh, but in addition to all the other teams that were already going, CHGO continuing to add to the crew as we go on here post-launch. You're going to get post-game shows and premium written content for members if you sign up at allchgo.com. As Luke Stuckmeyer says, you can get dope merch for all of your Chicago teams, and you get a free shirt when you become a member. You also get access to the members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. So head to allchgo.com to sign up, and you will get a free t-shirt, and you will also get access to Brendan Miller's written content that is being promoted by Marcus Stroman. So with that... um, uh, let's try to will some some signings, maybe a trade, just something that gets this Cubs team to a more competitive place uh, as we head into the 2022 season, which is 
rapidly approaching. I know that feels very weird given how this offseason has gone, but we are less than a month away from being at Wrigley Field and watching the Chicago Cubs play a regular season baseball game. So hopefully this roster still has some improvements to go, but we, of course, will be back to break it all down with you. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Cubs.